are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. It's almost the weekend. This is the podcast edition of the Steve Dace Show here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We would love it if you would join us by letting us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I mentioned our show here on our podcast is powered by CRTV. We just concluded production for today's CRTV show. It is the Dace Group Roundtable, our week in review program you don't ever want to miss. That's always a ton of fun. One of our more popular episodes each and every week. CRTV.com is where you can go to watch. If you want to subscribe, use my name as a promo code, D-E-A-C-E, and that will get you a discounted subscription. How discounted? A quarter a day. That's all it will cost to watch us and the entire team from the great one Mark Levin on down here at CRTV. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, Todd and Aaron, you guys ready to go with some feedback Friday? You know it. Uh, I'm interested to see where this takes us. High, low, both. Um, It's always fascinating. Well, let's begin with this one from Josh Fisher, who says, besides the obvious, like your own books, (laughs) he knows me well, uh, the Bible and the Constitution, just took my uh, shameless self-promotion option off the table. Not happy with that. Uh, what are some other books? By the way, December 4th, pre-sales right now. Truth Bombs. Coming your way. Pre-sales at Amazon. Thank you. What are some other books you recommend reading to help develop and defend a conservative or Christian worldview? I know what I believe, but sometimes I have a hard time expressing that and translating it uh, to what our politicians are running on. That, that's a question I get a lot. It's a great question. All right. So let me name um, a couple. Um, I would highly recommend these are books that have had a huge impact on me. Okay. That if 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 I compiled a list of things everybody should read before they get a voter ID card, these are some of the books that would be on the list. George Orwell's Animal Farm. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, I would agree. Absolutely, be on the list. Mm-hmm. Um. Chuck Colson's How Now Shall We Then Live would absolutely be on the list in terms of a broad-based application of the Christian worldview. Cleon Skousen, the BYU constitutional law professors, The 5,000-Year Leap, we have taken our audience through that book twice in my career, once in our local, when we were just a local show, and we did it here on CRTV a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. And on the podcast. That is a great book in terms of establishing the foundations of America and Americana and where they come from. Highly, highly, highly recommend. And and I would recommend that rather than reading a Bastiat or a Locke. Not that those, because those are the sources that inspire the founders that can sometimes be a more laborious read for the 21st century mind. Yeah, you don't um, want to say it started in Leviticus, which yes, is not a, that's a good analogy. analogy, but it's a good it's, one, though. It's you a might pretty get good bogged one. down. Yeah. Skousen does a good job of sort of, you know, um, giving you, in a way, 
kind of an Augustinian view uh, in that he takes a lot of other people's very complicated philosophical works of yesteryear and applies them in a way that is easier for the uh, for probably a modern mind to compile and comprehend. Now, what's impressive about Augustine doing so is he did that in the 5th century. <laughs> Skousen did that in the 1960s. But um, um, I would highly recommend that work as well. So we have Animal Farm, How Now Shall We Then Live, Skousen's The 5,000-Year Leap. Um, just for a straight-up biblical worldview, there's a local theologian here in Des Moines that wrote a book called Framework for the Christian Faith, is what it's called. Framework for the Christian Faith. And it's an outstanding apologetic look. And again, it's written by a pastor. So I said theologian. It's really He's really a local pastor. So he writes it more as a pastor. More like an alpha course for new learners than a higher, than a higher difficult to access theological work. I would highly recommend that as well. Framework for a Christian Faith is what it's called. And let me give another one that I don't think I've ever talked about before. It's called Paul versus Muhammad. Actually, it's called Paul Meets Muhammad. I want to get that right. It's called Paul Meets Muhammad. This book's about 10, or 10 years old or so, and it's about in the future with holographic uh, virtual reality technology they essentially can create 3D images of, of St. Paul and Muhammad and download their actual writings, teachings into the interface. And they put them, I think it's in the, Astro, the old Astrodome. And they put it on live television with a sellout crowd and they have the two of them go back and forth on matters of theology and philosophy. And given that's one of the worldview intersections we're dealing with in our culture today, the beliefs of, of a St. Paul versus the beliefs of a Muhammad. That's another book I would highly recommend. And it's a great read. It's called Paul Meets Muhammad, a Christian-Muslim debate by Michael Lacona. Okay, Paul Meets Muhammad. You guys want to add anything to that list? Yeah, I've got a couple. Go Michael ahead. Novak, On Two Wings, about how our founding was established in both faith and reason, and it documents that in terms of the actual diary uh, writings of all the founders and how uh, um, Michael mo- Novak for people who don't know is sort of the Catholicism what Cleon Skousen Scal- yeah, is yeah, to Mormonism absolutely kind of and yeah. so it documents as much as Locke and Montesquieu uh, Blackstone were uh, quoted in the founding of this country more than anything else was Old Testament scripture in terms of the background the a priority a priority bedrock of who we were going to be and then another one i've talked about this show before it's it's about um this is about worldview and three-dimensional thinking i think th- there's a base underneath conservatism it's a, a guy named jonathan uh hate uh, uh the righteous mind uh he he's a uh a college uh uh professorial liberal but he went to uh, India uh, and he just by being honest uh, about all his presuppositions he realized that all, he had so many stereotypes about what conservatism was hmm. and he went over there and he he found it beautiful being around an incredibly traditional society in terms of uh, male-female uh, dynamics they still have a caste system and he just realized the light bulb went on his head in a way that so few of us do or even when it goes on we just ignore it but he just said I this is incredibly conservative 
in the most general of definition, not a American. And, and so he just dissects his own thinking on everything. The Why we value um, on the what we tend to value as conservatives, what liberals tend to value, what those are. It's a fantastic read. And anybody who's honest, conservative or liberal should read it because it to me, it's a mind blowing book. You have anything you want to add, Aaron? Yeah, just from, I mean, we keep talking about revival and the need for revival, and I keep talking about the need for personal revival. And uh, one book that has uh, challenged me and hopefully it will challenge you is The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm. And he's he's grappling in, you know, with these issues in the midst of the rise of Nazism and um, really emphasizes just the manner of sacrifice that it takes on your part um, to really live like you say you believe. And so I think that that's one that's challenged me anyway. So I think, you know, we've, we've, we've given a pretty good broad-based list of books, right? We've given explicitly theological books. Um, we've given... Um, explicitly philosophical or historical or political books um, in different styles. There's some satire, obviously, in there that hits really close to home in the case of of uh, Orwell. So, I mean, I, I think that that's a pretty good cross-section. I oh. think they should at least get you started, Josh. If you read all of that within the next calendar year, you you would be... Edified greatly, and, and if you can sl- string two sentences together, you will be more qualified for my job than me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, this is from Matt. Enjoy you guys' stuff immensely. I was listening to a recent podcast, and I was wondering if you could elaborate on the one message strategy that Republicans can win on that they have not tried. I look forward to your thoughts. This is a great question. I mean, this is a really great question. One of my favorite lines about Christianity is from Chesterton, the, the, the Catholic theologian. And uh, remind me how it goes exactly, Todd, that um, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. Yeah. It has been found hard and therefore rarely tried. Exactly. Right? That's exactly right. Okay. I think that applies to conservatism. And I think if you think I'm making this up, I'm going to challenge you right now. Go on YouTube and search for classic college football games full. Search for that. Classic college football games full. And the reason I want you to search for that is because you'll get the actual broadcasts from yesteryear. And even if you're not a football fan, ladies, although I know a lot of ladies that do like football, but even if you're not a sports person, guys or girls, make this search. You can skip through the game footage and go to the commercial breaks. And pick a year like 88 or 86 where there's an election going on. And watch the commercials that run. Watch the themes Republicans run on in that era compared to the themes you see now. Let me give you an example from last night. I'm watching America's Got Talent last night. Mel B was having a bad night. Yeah, like a Paul Abdul bad night, if you know what I'm saying. Like, somebody drive her home, okay? <laughs> um, one of the commercials is our Republican governor, Kim Reynolds. And this commercial just screams, I'm behind. I've been on campaigns. 
I know what commercials you run when you're behind. I've, I've, I've written some of those commercials. They look like this. I've been behind yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I should rephrase it. They don't look like this. They, they sound like this, but I would never go after someone with this kind of messaging because the messaging of the left. And so Kim Reynolds, our Republican governor, is running against a wealthy Democrat family, one of their scions, Fred Hubble, right? From the, the real estate development, all kinds of, I mean, Hubble's a name that's very well known in Des Moines. In fact, I grew up on the South Side and one of the streets is called Hubble. Hubble. Okay. So the commercial that she's running against him in America's Got Talent is a bunch of his former employees, blue collar people, saying he fired me, laid me off, he didn't care about me. These are the ads that Obama ran against Romney. Now, some of you are going to say, I know what you're going to say right now. Yeah, Dace, they did that to Mitt. We're going to do it back to them. Except you got to know who your base is. And you you have to come up with a message that reaches people that would think of voting for you. See, elections are not won, guys, by winning a majority of the vote. That is not how elections are won. Elections are won by winning a majority of those that do vote. And if you don't think there's a freaking difference there, you haven't spent a nanosecond doing the closest you've come to studying politics. You watched Hannity last night. Let me repeat that. Elections are not won by winning the majority of the vote. Elections are won by winning the majority of those that do vote. Can you frame an electorate? Everything you have watched Democrats do, from Russian collusion, all the videos we've seen of that chick screaming, all the crying and the tears. The Russian collusion story is a, is, is a narrative driven to keep that base of people engaged and, and fired up by delegitimizing Trump's win in a way that inspires those people to remain vigilant. And everything's racist because that's why they lost. Because 20,000 black people voted, didn't vote in Milwaukee in 2016. They voted for Obama in 2008 and 2012. And that's why Trump won that state. And that was repeated in Philadelphia. And that's why he won Pennsylvania. And that was repeated in Detroit. And that's why he won Michigan. There aren't enough rural white voters in all those states if they have huge minority turnout. There aren't enough rural white voters in all those states that even if Trump flipped every freaking one of them, he couldn't win them. You got to depress some of their base. And Hillary did. That's why he won them. And he won them all by one point or less. 78,000 total votes he won those three states. Total votes of three states, not in each state. Winning one state by 78,000 votes is pretty close in a major, in a big population state. He won all three by that. And so they're like, we're not letting that happen again. And so everything's being race baited in order to drive those voters that stayed home in 2016 and to get them out in 2018 and beyond. They're trying to frame who turns out. Because elections are not won by who wins a majority of the vote. They're won by who wins a majority of those that do vote. That's how they're won. You guys weren't working with me. Jen and Rebecca still were the night of the 2012 election. And what we did as a team is I assigned a cable news network for all three of us to watch yeah, the day of the election. I remember this. Jen watched Fox. Rebecca watched CNN. I watched MSNBC. And I took the bullet and, and did MSNBC because I thought it was only fair because I'd appeared on there like 40 times. So it, I, I would bite the bullet here. 
And we watched each of us six hours of coverage on election day leading up to when we came in to do our show that night for Salem. Jen walked in. What do you think she thought was going to happen? Republican. Romney's got this. Rebecca walked in. That's before CNN went insane. Before they went insane. Rebecca walked in and thought this thing's going to be too close to call. I walked in and thought, dude, they just did six hours of get out the vote. And what they did for six hours on Fox was, well, we know Romney's base is going to turn out, so it's all about independence. What they did for six hours on MSNBC was, if you're black, if you're gay, if you're Hispanic, if you're a woman, you owe it to Obama to vote. They turned out more of their base. Who won on election night? Uh, Not Romney. Not Romney. By the way, did Romney win independence in 2012? Yes, he did. He won independence in 2012 and lost the election. Poof is Carl Rove's plan. Because it's not about winning a majority of the vote. It's about winning a majority of those that do vote. And they turned out more of their base then Romney could create a base of his own. And that's why he won. That's why Obama won. And so what does that have to do with the answer to Matt's question? Everything. Everything. See, what's happening right now, if I could sit down, I'm just going to give you how I would answer. You needed to understand that disclaimer before I answered your question, Matt, and everybody listening. Because if, if you didn't understand the backdrop of what I'm about to say, you wouldn't buy into it. Because it's totally counter to what you hear on Fox News from GOP consultant uh, media all the time. GOP consultant media hates your, hates your guts, guys. They hate your guts. The reason why they always assume you're going to show up is because that's their excuse for not giving you what you want. Well, you have no other place to go, so... That's so screw you. There is one constant in all of these special elections, whether Republicans have won them or Democrats have won them. You know what the constant is? Republican turnout is way down, way down. Tuesday night in Minnesota, it was a 100,000 voter decrease in the primary. And that was with a former sitting governor running, Tim Pawlenty, running in the Republican primary. Well, Steve, that's that, that, this, and this is this is the analysis you get from Fox News guy on Twitter, who thinks because he watched Hannity last night, he just knows how the whole thing works. Because this is the first reply I got when I pointed this out last night. Oh well, well, Steve, uh, it's Minnesota, and Republicans don't win there anyway. Except maybe Republican presidents do, but you know, Tim Pawlenty wouldn't be the former two-term former governor of Minnesota, Todd, unless he did what there? Uh, win. He won, had to win there, guys. Had to win. So here's a two-term former governor who's won statewide twice. Twice. Not only loses his primary turnout, implodes. No energy. So what's happening right now is Republicans are running in a way where they're trying to avoid the, the blowback, backlash Trump vote. But they can't. There, there is no way to mitigate the anti-Trump vote, guys. Those people are all showing up on November 6th and they're all voting at least three times. Count on it. Baked into the cake, not alterable. Trump's approval rating ain't going to like 53% between now and November 6th. You'll be lucky if it's at 48 at RCP on November 6th. That's, that's built into the cake. That's not going to change. So you have to, people always tell me, Steve, you're not pragmatic. I'm about to be as pragmatic as I can possibly be. Except reality. 
Can you be more pragmatic than that? Accept reality. Understand who your guy is and, and, and what the benefits and the baggage that go along with that are. The baggage is huge backlash vote is always built in. And he's going to antagonize it on his own unintentionally and intentionally all the time anyway by his own personality. So you have to know that going in. You're not going to run to some middle or not, or not repeal Obamacare or do something or nominate Brett Kavanaugh. In a few weeks, you're going to learn Brett Kavanaugh hates all women, gays, Jews, Asians, and people that wear freaking white after Labor Day. And they're going to chant Hail Satan and everything else like they would have done no matter who you nominated. You can't mitigate the left backlash vote. That strategy doesn't work. Ask President McCain. Ask President Romney. Ask Governor Pawlenty last night. That strategy doesn't work. It's no coincidence that Tim Pawlenty's winning statewide elections in Minnesota in years where there was backlash against Democratic presidents. And he can't win now when there's a backlash against the Republican president. So you're not going to mitigate or absolve or immunize or immunize your way out of the Trump backlash vote. You can't. So the only way out is through. You need to get closer to the president. Because here's the good news about the Trump backlash vote. It's maxed out right now. They They can't go to 14. They're at 27. They go one more notch, the speakers blow, and the concert's called off. They can't, the the anti-Trump vote is already in every data algorithm right now. And it's maxed, guys. If it were a stock, Jim Cramer would be on CNBC saying, now's the time to sell. It's not going any higher. Because it can't. They'll combust. They'll blow up. They'll leave, they'll leave the astral plane. It's not going any higher. So it's at a point now of what we would call diminishing returns. Which stock is way low, Todd? Which one's way low? If the anti-Trump vote is at its fullest, which stock is at its lowest it could possibly go, probably? What? The pro? The pro-Trump. Yeah. So you got to run actually, and this is coming from the never-Trump guy. Remember, I was the never-Trump guy in 2016. But you know what I like? Reality. I love reality. Give me reality. Tell my kids all the time. I'm good at fixing problems, except the ones I don't know about. I can't fix those. People pay me good money to fix problems for them. That's what I do. Except, you know know what problems I can't ever fix? The ones I don't know or the ones I don't want to know. So let me tell you how you're going to lose. If you all keep buying it, well, there's no blue wave. And I I read this at uh, 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 com blog site. And everybody hates Bob Mueller. And they're all going to vote. There's a crude term to explain what that is. And it has to do with someone using their hand on your genitals, okay? That's not, none of that's true. None of that is. That's all garbage. Believe that on November 6th, you're going to get freaking creamed. I promise. Instead of lying to yourself about what's happening, the way you could win is if you acknowledged it. The only way out is through. Acknowledge there is a massive Trump backlash vote 
and it has shown up in all of these special elections. Win or lose, the Trump base has been depressed. Ignoring that is you're like the kid who thinks if I just hide more stuff under my bed and lie to my parents that I clean my room, I'll just keep getting away with it. Until one day, what happens? The bed collapses. Mom and dad run in. They're like, what the hell happened here? And they realized you've been hiding stuff under your bed, not cleaning your room all this time, and you're in five times the amount of trouble you would have been if you just would have cleaned the damn thing every day. That's what this. That's what most of conservative media is. We're just lying to you. I don't know how else to put it. We're just lying to you. What I don't know is if we're lying to you because we want, we think you can't handle the truth or you can't handle it, and so we're giving you the lie you want. I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know. I'll let other people define that. But we're lying to you. There is a blue wave coming. I mean, it, it won't be as big as the Democrats claim because they always blow themselves out of proportion. But it's a coming, and it's showing up everywhere you look. Just a matter of whether you want to look at it or not. Now, today's not election day. By golly, election day is like 80 days away, which means there's still time to get out of the water. <laughs> there's time to put on a lifeboat. There's time to jump in a boat. I can promise you, though, if you just sit there and look at the wave as it crests over the next 80 days, there's no blue wave. There's no blue wave. It's not happening. No blue wave. Trump is great. No blue wave. You're going to freaking drown, I promise. And then we're going to go to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Kids, our word of the day is impeachment. Say it with me now. Impeachment. Can you say that with Mr. Rogers? That's the neighborhood you're going next year. So how do you avoid it? Well, Republicans need to run closer to Trump because right now they've got max collateral damage of the anti-Trump vote with minimal benefit of the pro-Trump vote. And so they actually need to back him up more. They actually need to defend him more. They actually need to support his policies. They need to come back in September after Labor Day and go balls to the wall Passing as much stuff as they think. You, who cares if, if if 27 federal judges nullify it all in three hours? That's what they need to do. They actually need to be a more pro-Trump party. Particularly when it comes to the stuff he runs on. Because when he does talk about issues and not himself, most of America is close to where Trump is at on the issues than the Democrats. Just Trump doesn't like to talk about issues except if the issue is him. But one way to get Trump on message is if the people around Trump, particularly the congressional leaders... Give him good legislation to sign. Trump's like that kid, you know, when the season's on, he's like that quarterback. That when we got to have two-a-days and training camp, when there's a structure, you know, he's pretty useful. But man, when you say goodbye to him in the summertime, when you can't watch him all the time, you're like, oh boy. And you get those 2 a.m. phone calls, and you're like, what do you do now, right? That's Trump's Twitter account, okay? If you, if you give him good legislation, he signs it. The Republicans need to be more pro-Trump in order to rally the Trump base, to try and balance the scales somewhat between the anti-Trump vote and the pro-Trump vote, because right now they're way in a negative zone. And so back to my Iowa governor. She's running Democratic ads. Won't work. The people that will respond to Fred Hubble, the Democrats, a bad guy because he's a capitalist, and fired and laid off employees he couldn't afford. The people that are going to respond to that are never voting for her. That's, that, that's not the messaging that frames the electorate you want. 
If the electorate is capitalism is bad and making a profit is bad, who's likely going to win, Todd? Which party, if that's how we frame an electorate? Who's likely going to win that argument? The not Republican Party for anybody who's been alive. Three seconds! Okay? That ad won't work. Not to mention, when you're the corporatist Republican that Kim Reynolds is, and you give Microsoft a $50 million tax break for 12 jobs or whatever it was, you're not the one to be making that messaging. You're not going to beat the Democrats attacking them from the left, guys. That's their space. There's no room to operate there. Trump did not get rural white voters that voted for Obama because he hit Democrats from the left. It's because he hit them from the right on the cultural issues. The, the kinds of issues that Mitt Romney didn't want to eat a chicken sandwich and touch. And John McCain said, there are agents of intolerance in the Republican Party because they believe Roe versus Wade is bad. Those guys lost. Our Republican governor is running away from signing the best pro-life legislation in Iowa history. No, no messaging about that. That's another bad move. Here's why. Because Planned Parenthood's going to drop $30 million in Iowa saying she hates women and wants you guys to die in back alley abortions. So she's going to get all that backlash vote, right, Todd? Yep. And and most Iowans probably, a lot of pro-life Iowans probably don't even remember she signed this in March or even know. She's not going to run on it. You want to know when I knew Joni Ernst was going to win a U.S. Senate seat? Is when, in the debate she had with her Democratic opponent, who's a sitting congressman, and they asked her about being pro-personhood, life at conception in the Iowa legislature, and she didn't back away from it. I knew she was going to win right there. Because she'd already taken, how many ads did Planned Parenthood run against her for months in Iowa until that October debate? She'd already taken all the hits she was going to take. Now what she needed to do was gin her base up to say, I'm with you. I'm on your team. Now she hasn't done a damn thing on this in the Senate, but she ran on it right as a candidate. Kim Reynolds is not even doing that. And and I bring up Kim Reynolds because that's what most Republicans around the country are making this mistake. They're trying to run away from Trump. It's too late for that. You can't run away from an omnipresent president. Not happening. So you're better off running into him, running closer, because right now you're getting all of the all of the blowback and none of the benefit. But that would force to answer your question further, Matt. That would force these Republicans to defend ideas and values they don't believe in. They don't believe in those, these things. They don't believe in strong borders. Most of them really aren't pro-life. That's why we had to water that bill down to a shell of its former self to get Kim Reynolds' signature on it. She still won't even defend it publicly. She still won't run on it. But she's going to get all the Planned Parenthood attack ads from it even Planned Parenthood's not getting up and say, you know, she signed that bill we hate, but she's not really proud of it. So we're going to spend only half. No, it doesn't work like that. We're going to get inundated for, during the football season. Every Iowa and Iowa State game, Kim Reynolds turned her back on her own gender. It's coming. We all know it's coming. And stood with Donald Trump, who hates women and rapes them. While we just nominated for president a woman who just forgot her husband may have raped some women too, but nobody cares now. So there's our ad. And Kim Reynolds' response is, I'm going to run on the from the left. 
Capitalism's bad. Making a profit, bad. Laying off workers I can't afford, bad. Okay. I think you should have probably tried that in the Democratic primary. The time to run those ads against Fred Hubble was prior to Iowa's June primary in the Democratic primary. That's not going to work in a general election for a Republican. It will not work. And it screams desperation. So the macro answer to your question, Matt, and this required a 20-minute dissertation because there's 30 years of history I have to explain to you here that are all backed up by data. Hey, I'm the guy that tells you we aren't, there aren't as many of us as we think there are. Don't I say that all the time? Yes. So I promise you, if the only way we could win elections was to become like the Democrats, I'd tell you. And then I would be like, I'm not doing that, so I don't care. I, I'm out. But I would tell you the truth. That's not true, though. Because elections aren't won by a majority of the voters. They're won by a majority of the people who show up to vote. That's how they're won. And you can depress bases and energize others. The reason they keep throwing Stormy Daniels out there and Trump's conquests and betray and marriage betrayals out there and then saying, I can't believe evangelicals could support this is because they're trying to get Trump's evangelical support to go from 71% to 62 They're trying to frame an electorate. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, what that's why they're doing it. They're like, if, I can get, if, like, if we can just get like 10% of those evangelicals not to show up in November, we're going to win. It's not about a majority of winning the majority of the vote. It's about winning a majority of those who actually do vote. So in the macro sense, Republicans don't want to run on our themes because they don't believe in them and they're not good at it. And and they suck at defending themselves against the backlash because they don't believe this stuff. I mean, I just did a podcast yesterday where a gay conservative did a better job blowing up gender dysphoria than how many Republican politicians running for Jesus have in our entire, the last freaking five years. Yep. They don't believe this stuff. That's why they suck at it. And it's why they can't stand up to blowback. So that's the macro answer. The micro answer in this election is they need to run closer to Trump and energize his base. But the reason they're not going to do it is because of the macro answer. It would cause them to run on themes they do not believe in and they can't defend. And so here, here if, if, if this doesn't change, and that's our caveat, right? Because we're the official position is whoever's dumbest last loses. We would all agree if Republicans don't change this, then they are the dumbest last. We would agree, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So when they don't change this and they are the dumbest last on November 6th, here's what's going to happen. I promise. I promise as certain as I am that freaking gravity exists and the sun is in the sky. I promise this will happen. They will be out there in the open water watching the blue wave form. They will not take the life preserver. They will not jump in the boat. And then what will happen is it'll rain that day. In the rain, those are your independent voters. The, guy, the people who kind of don't pay attention, kind of do, and make up their mind at the last minute, Right? And since the wave is cresting and the water's not still in the in shallow at level, when the rain falls, which body will catch the rain? The one that's cresting or the one that's shallow and at rest? Which one will catch the rain? Shallow. No, the one that's cresting because it's higher in the sky. The one that's in the hot, the one that's rising will catch the rain. And that wave will get 
bigger because it's overshadowing the water that's at level, right? When the wave rises, there's a shadow, right? Cast a shadow over the sitting water. Maybe this is a terrible analogy, but I'm going to go with I, it. I, I thought I'm the following. water was going I'm, to the low point, but I, <laughs> yeah. I think I have a deficiency here. Okay. So because the wave is overshadowing the still water, when it rains, the rain's going to hit the wave first. And as more water, therefore, is added onto the wave, what will happen to said wave? Todd, you get a chance to redeem yourself. What will happen to the wave when more water hits the wave? Don't screw it's this up, Todd. It'll get a bit bigger. Yes. Yeah. It'll get bigger. I got to do eighth grade over again. <laughs> Thank you. I got your back. It'll get bigger, guys. Now, this is a terrible word picture. It's the only one I could think of. So I'm sorry. Okay. And that's when you start losing 50 House seats, and then you lose the Senate when that happens. Because the independents will be like, these guys aren't even serious about governing. And Trump's persona pisses me off anyway. So screw you. And that's when... That's when real erosion takes place when that wave hits. And they will have no one to blame for this but themselves. I will stop there because I'm not sure I can come up with a better analysis or a worse analogy. Um, so I'm going to quit while I'm even. Final thoughts, Todd. Uh, the whole time you were talking, I was thinking about uh, Rules for Patriots. And you've said this before, who is littered throughout that book? Scott Walker. Scott Walker. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in substance, be Scott Walker on that one particular issue. Uh, public unions just relentlessly taking it on. There's a, that there was a moment there for that issue. You have to find those moments. Not all issues are as relevant to take on uh, in particular moments. That's in substance. In style, be Nikki Haley. Just. Swagger, don't give a damn. Yeah, come on, boys. Ten to one, I'm taking all you down. Yeah, just want to reiterate that the reason why Republicans could win, but they don't want to, is because uh, Republicans can see they're they're not stupid. They can see the stuff that that Steve is talking about. They just yeah, they just don't believe it. That's why they're not going. Most of them are not going to run on anything that's remotely conservative because they just don't believe like you and and a lot of the times um we had this conversation earlier this week they they not only do they not believe the same as you they kind of resent you yeah um but at the same time um uh, what what's the what are the words to the ice not is it ice cube song uh i ain't the one yeah yeah i ain't the one you know what the one is that is uh, a female dog they think they think of you as a female dog yeah. because 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 we keep voting for them. <laughs> now we're getting there. There's the analogy we were waiting for. <laughs> now we're getting there. What is it? The poo bottom? Is that the is yeah. that the is that the term? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're we're the poo bottom, homie. Yes, they absolutely could alter this. The Democrats have handed them three hundred million dollars in ads. This lawyer in Colorado going after Masterpiece Cake Shop on the day of the Supreme Court ruling. Someone who's literally mentally ill. That's what gender dysphoria is, the mental illness. 
wins a nomination for governor, claims she's a socialist, what he, she, I don't know what gender they're claiming. They're a socialist, goes on TV and can't defend socialism. America's not soccer moms and minivans anymore. That's Ocasio-Cortez. They're just handing you ads, guys. And go back. I'll start. I'll end this where I started. Go on YouTube. Classic college football games full. Go watch the ads Republicans ran in the mid to late 80s in election years. They pounced on all of these cultural flashpoints. These were all their ads. Well, Steve, we can't do that anymore. The country has moved. Trump is president for two reasons. One, got to run against Hillary Clinton. Don't ever underestimate that factor. And two, didn't move too far. He he embraced these cultural flashpoints, embraced them. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. He didn't stand up there in the debates and say, "I'm gonna appoint strict constructionist judges." He said, "I'm gonna appoint judges that are gonna overturn Roe versus Wade." Tell those sons of bitches to get up off their knees and stand for the anthem. People went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah," and he turned out more voters than Hillary did when it mattered most, because it ain't about. Who wins a majority of the vote? It's about winning a majority of those who actually do vote. Political science class today completed. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. We will see you again on Monday right here on Westwood One. Don't forget CRTV.com, promo code DACE. If you have a moment to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or leave us a positive review there, those really help us to grow the podcast and many of you have done that already so thank you very much for that until monday john 317 this is steve dace i like you